Morning, everyone. Happy July. How's it all going in the world of Pokemon? For me, I have a lot of things uh, going on related to Pokemon. Um, first, I believe I've mentioned once or twice that I'm a Vocaloid producer. Um, not one of the cool ones. I didn't make it into that one rap song. Um, like, I wouldn't call myself a particularly accomplished musician, but I do love writing song lyrics and lead sheets and if possible, realizing those musical ideas. Um, and I would call my style emotional, non-ironic fan pop, which is to say I write songs about fandom that will break your heart. Like the last album I put out had four songs about Order 66 and the collapse of the Jedi Order, so not funny at all. And this latest album of mine has two songs inspired by Pokemon. Um, one is directly from Ash Ketchum's point of view, which is a little weird, uh, I admit, since my Vocaloid is a girl, but I still had fun working on the song, and, and the whole album was fun. A lot of experiments with flanging, uh, but overall I'm proud of it. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to use the two Pokemon songs as ending themes for the podcast. And if you like the short clips, maybe head on over to Spotify or Deezer or Apple Music and give the full thing a listen. Or you can check out my other stuff on YouTube. Uh, the channel's just my name, Anne Werner. The album is called Wonders. The two Pokemon-inspired songs are Center of the Storm and Train On. And Center of the Storm is the one you'll be hearing today. I I'd be honored if you gave it a little bit of your time. Other Pokemon-y things I've been doing. Um, I've been talking a lot about movies over on my Patreon page. Recently, I put out a special episode where I tried to rank the top five best Pokemon movies ever made. Your mileage may vary, but it was a fun thing to do and, like, nice to talk about what makes those movies great. Even if your favorite didn't make the list, it's fun to talk about the, the pluses and, and some of the minuses of of these great movies, and it's really fun to talk about them now because a lot of those I am not going to get to for quite some time. Like, we've only made it through five Pokemon movies in the history of this podcast in about as many years. It's going to be a long time before some of those other movies get to have a real in-depth discussion, so to be able to at least give some of the highlights was really nice, and you know, movie two is still lost, and goodness knows when I'm gonna be able to sit down and re-record all of that. Like, movies are hard. <laughs> they are a time commitment and a half. So if that discussion sounds interesting to you, you can check out my Patreon page. That episode is exclusive uh, to those pledging a dollar every month on Patreon. 
or people who sign up for a month, you know, pledge $1, binge listen to all the back content, and then, you know, cancel their subscription and come back like six months later when I have, you know, another six to 12 hours of content for them to binge. Like, I won't judge you. We all got to be thrifty in life. But, you know, every little dollar to support the podcast is really appreciated and, and helps a lot. Podcasting is expensive and there's there's not a lot of financial benefits. <laughs> so your support not only helps keep the train running smoothly, but allows us to put down new tracks and go new places in the future. To extend the metaphor. In addition to the movie ranking episode currently up, very, very soon, we're going to have an episode, another episode where I talk movie ending themes with Steven from Poke Press. So we, we have a discussion about the ending movie themes, the English song being This Side of Paradise and the Japanese side being L-O-V-E-L-Y Yume Miru Lovely Boy by Tommy February 6. And both those ladies who perform those songs are... People you may not have heard of before and definitely worth learning more about. And the songs are both super fun. So definitely stay tuned for that. It should be going up in a couple of days. And slightly beyond my sphere, but still in the world of Pokemon, uh, if you're a gamer, a card gamer, you should check out Steven from Poke Press on YouTube, uh, where you can find interviews with the Junior and Masters TCG winners at the North American International Competition. Um... Um, even if you're not a card gamer, this could be interesting for you. Like, just what Pokemon are going into a winning team these days? I'll tell you up front, I have no idea. That's where our sponsor PokePress can help you out. Uh, you can find out more about these competitions, the competitors, the Pokemon teams, and what made them work, along with interviews with actors and directors and many others involved in the world of Pokemon. So check that out if it sounds interesting to you. Supporting the sponsor also helps support the podcast if, you know, the $1 a month on Patreon is, is a little much for you at the moment. You can find Steven at PokePress on YouTube or at pokepress.blogspot.com. He's got a written interview with Mark Mueller up with a, a song from the Pokemon first movie soundtrack that sadly did not get as much, I don't know, hype and wide releasing as we all might have hoped. So you can learn more about that at their blog. You can check that out right after listening to this episode. And in other Poke News, it is a little known fact, but this show actually does have a YouTube channel. There's not much to say about it because I'm trying to re-upload all the past episodes that got deleted, which means re-recording a few things, converting a lot of things, because apparently requirements have changed since 2011 and making videos and waiting for my storage quotas on the podcast feed to roll over. It's a chore when you're a working woman, and right now my time management skills are not sufficient for the workload in maintaining this podcast and my other responsibilities, like the back catalog and the YouTube are both only up to episode 8. But that means episode 3 is no longer missing. Again. Episode 3 disappears so often, I'm gonna start calling it the prodigal son. But if you're one of the newer fans who didn't get a chance to listen to episode 3 before it went missing, or you joined with us after that mass accidental deletion that followed in trying to fix the problem, it's back and you can listen to it both on YouTube or on our podcast archive. 
And like I said, the rest of the back catalog is up to episode eight. So all those early episodes where I sound kind of like a chipmunk, that's all up there. And hopefully more to come. But as I start to check things off the to-do list with with the re-uploading, I'd like to make a little bit more use of the YouTube channel. I enjoy producing audio content. I think I'm starting to get the hang of that. But I'd like to explore what I could do visually with Pokemon. So what are you guys interested in? What are some visual things that we could do in YouTube videos? Like, I could show you my absolutely not competitive at all card collection or Pokemon cosplay attempts. I could wander around town dressed as Ash Ketchum and take selfies in the park. I cover songs in Pika-speak recreate Pokemon screenshots out of Legos like I I don't know <laughs> anything you guys want to see send in the ideas and I'll see what I can do and like when I can do them but I'd, I'd like to make a bit more use of the YouTube channel as I you know eventually get everything else in this podcast back under control so start thinking about that but this is way too much podcasting preamble Welcome to Peacappy Podcast. I'm your host, Anne, and what we do on this show is we go through every episode of the Pokemon anime, one at a time, start to finish. We've been doing this for over five years, and we're now making our way through the Hoenn region and commenting on Ash's character growth and the Pokemon world. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, today's episode is Advanced Generation number 15, gonna rule the school. And let's get into it. We're finally in Rustboro City proper, and it's lovely. Perfect views, plenty of touristy stuff to do, and Ash and Pikachu throw themselves into that wholeheartedly. They walk into this scene having just raided the nearest gift shop. They're drowning in t-shirts and kitschy paraphernalia, like, he, he asks, are the sunglasses too much? It's like, no, kid. The fact that you seem to have pierced your ears is too much. <laughs> but, you know, march to the beat of your own drum, Ashy boy. At least you're having fun in life. Of course, doing so has consequences. Even after Ash returns all the stuff, his friends still don't want to be seen with him. Brock claims he's never been so embarrassed, and I gotta say... Wait five minutes for a pretty girl to walk by, then we can have a conversation about who's embarrassing who and doing it more often. But yeah, no one's talking to Ash. No one's looking at him. He's been temporarily banished from the group and has to trail along behind. Sad. While that's happening, Max sees a little polywag hiding under a bench. It's kind of scared, but Max coaxes it out to see if he and his friends can help. And they notice that Poliwag has a little band around its tail with a Pokeball symbol. But just as they're questioning what that means, a young woman runs up and Poliwag is so relieved to see her. So we can assume she's got some connection. She's been looking everywhere for Poliwag and we find out that she's actually a school teacher, Miss Roxanne. And her class of kids are out on a field trip today. All of the kids were assigned a Pokemon. But one of the kids is actually afraid of touching Pokemon, and that would be Kenny, the one assigned to the Poliwag. So because he wouldn't, you know, stay close to Poliwag, the two of them got separated, and the group had to stop and look for it. And one orange-haired kid who reminds me of Gary is pretty resentful about that. 
Another girl in the class sticks up for Kenny, but it's still a little bit sort of his fault. So a learning experience for him. But Max is intrigued by this school, the Pokemon Academy, and it's the sort of thing he would love to be enrolled in. I guess Petalburg City didn't have such an establishment, and he wants to attend the school now, but May's like, um, I thought the whole point of traveling was to avoid school, and Ash is like, um, gym battle? I waited long enough, guys. But one mention of the gym, and Miss Roxanne turns around, the school is right next door to the gym, so the kids can visit both. Ash would rather go to the gym first, but his friends are really enjoying the tour, seeing classes for kids studying to be Pokemon doctors, entering contests, Pokemon battles, and for Max, the general beginner's class taught by Miss Roxanne. And Professor Oak. He gives the class lectures via video. When the kids walk in, he catches up with them, Max gets to meet his idol for the first time, and he's a little starstruck. Professor Oak, man, not only is he so famous and, like, beloved by children everywhere, he's got all the connections to everybody, like, kids who grow up in Pallet Town and get to, you know, meet him and get on his good side are slightly ahead of other people in life, I feel. <laughs> Maybe not really, but, like, Professor Oak is so helpful and, again, just so well-connected and famous that if you make the effort to get to know him, like, it just keeps paying off. Year after year after year. Um, Professor Oak also gets to ask Ash about his gym battle while they're here meeting, and Ash is just like, man, I wish. But he learns through Oak that Miss Roxanne is the gym leader here, not just the teacher, so... Dun-dun-dun. Not only that, she used to be a student at this academy, in fact... Her excellence in the school seems to have paved the way for her to become the gym leader. So yeah, stay in school, kids. You could become a gym leader someday. She promises to face Ash first thing tomorrow morning. She's teaching classes for the rest of the day. And now that Ash has a confirmed match time, he's much less anxious and more willing to just enjoy, you know, the novelty of the school. Max, though, is still on the edge of his seat. He, he's got to tell Professor Oak what a big fan he is. He's read all the books, watched all the lectures, and Oak is flattered. But that one kid who was kind of a jerk, his name is Tommy, he gets on Max's case for this. Like, if you're so smart, if you're really his fan, answer this question. And of course, Max is a little nerd, so he has no trouble answering any and all of Tommy's questions. Questions about Pokemon, their attacks, the type advantage. Tommy tries and tries, but he can't break Max. So Roxanne eventually has to step in. After all, the school is about friendship, not competition. Their motto is like, go forth with your friend and that leads to progress or, or something like that. So the tour continues and they see the room with all the Pokeballs. The school houses many, many Pokemon for the students Max asks how that works, since Pokemon are trained to only obey one trainer. Or at least that's how it works conventionally. But we've seen this situation before. It's a school and has special circumstances, so the school Pokemon are trained to obey the students and the teachers and anyone associated with the academy so that those people can learn. Pokemon that will obey anyone? Music to Team Rocket's ears? 
It should be the easiest robbery ever, assuming they've, you know, never watched any of those previous episodes where we've seen similar situations with school Pokemon. Well, tomorrow will be the day of Team Rocket's heist and Max's stint at public school and the gym battles. So Ash and Pikachu are training late into the night. And Iron Tail attack is improving, but it's still not there. And they kind of need that to be solid in time for the gym battle, because otherwise Pikachu's going to get creamed. Uh, But Ash and Pikachu work hard all night, and he feels pretty confident. And the next morning, they head to the school. Max was born for this. He's so excited to study. He's just a little Hermione Granger, and he makes friends with a little girl named Anita. He's like, you're so lucky to go to Pokemon school. But Anita doesn't think so. She she doesn't really want to be there. Her parents make her go. Same with Kenny, that little boy who was afraid of Pokemon. But adults say you should start getting used to Pokemon when you're young. So there they are. So class starts and the kids are introduced to the school's Pokemon. Roxanne advises her students to pay attention to how the Pokemon feels as they're interacting with them. Which is kind of interesting. I like that the school is focusing not on just like learning attacks and stats, but how to be a good trainer, how to communicate with your Pokemon and things like that. May ducks out to go peek in on the Pokemon contest class, but Ash and Brock get to be teacher's assistants because Roxanne asks if her students could meet all their Pokemon. And I don't think she knows what she's getting into with Brock's Pokemon. They're all a little weird. Like him. Hopefully Fortress has more self-control than it did as a Pineco. We don't need it self-destructing in the classroom. But kind of interesting, Roxanne is actually pretty well-versed on the Pewter City Gym. We've learned multiple times that gym has prestige. And according to Roxanne, it's the flagship of all Rock-type gyms. And she knew Brock was the gym leader without even having to ask him. It's also worth noting, she knows Ash got the top 8 in the Johto League, and I don't think he's told her that either. But speaking of Ash, his best uh, accomplishment is making friends. So he goes over to Kenny, the kid scared of Pokemon, and starts sweet-talking him into meeting his best friend Pikachu. And some progress is made. Kenny is all set to reach out and touch Pikachu's cute little cheeks, But that mean boy Tommy sees it and, like any bully, can't stand to have the status quo disrupted. So he accidentally, accidentally, steps on a polywag's tail, getting it to cry out and use water gun, and scares Kenny all over again. He claims he didn't mean to to the teachers, but Max and Anita know the truth, and so when class goes out to the field to practice battling, Max and Tommy go head-to-head with stuff to prove, revenge to get. This is about the time May resurfaces. They had a pop quiz in contest class, and she's like, yeah, time to make my escape. Well, Max knows a lot about Pokemon. He's watched a lot of matches. Presumably heard his dad talking about, about Pokemon battles. But he doesn't actually know a lot about battling. He's got no experience. And he drew a polywag against Tommy's little Magby, which should have been a lock for him, but Max just keeps trying to be strategic and using defense curl and belly drum. So polywag's attack and defense power are top-notch, 
but he never actually attacks. So Poliwag's actually losing. Its life points are going down and down and down. And Ash is on the sidelines like, for the love of Mew, will you use an offensive move? Luckily, Max has spared his certain and imminent defeat when an alarm goes off. All the Pokeballs have been stolen. Team Rocket shows up in a giant robo-wormple and treats the entire school to their motto. Why do you come back to the scene of the crime, guys? Like, you've got the Pokeballs. Skedaddle. Just run in that mech. They will not catch you. At least not easily. Although Pikachu's Thunderbolt isn't quite working on the robot. They've, they've got these doors that must have a barrier and they shut too quickly to protect Team Rocket. It's like some game of whack-a-mole. And then Sviper takes the lead over Brock's Fortress and Cacnea over May's Wurmple. And then Jessie sends out her own Wurmple. I, I don't know how I missed this. Jessie actually caught that in the last episode, All in a Day's Wurmple. I don't think I even commented on it. I was too distracted by the Franklin twins, I guess. I somehow missed that Jessie caught a wormple. Uh, but she's got it. That poor little bug, what did it ever do to deserve life with Team Rocket? It seems way too nice. So much so that Jessie actually recalls it after a few seconds, like, you're too cute for this battle. <laughs> but while that's going on, Max wants to defend the school, and so does that poor little Poliwag at his side. So Max calls for Poliwag to use yet another stat-boosting move. And from the back, frightened little Kenny speaks up. He's like, I know I have this crippling social anxiety, but I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> he tells Max to use an offensive move, like, seriously. And also that Max probably would have won against Tommy if he'd just used Water Gun sooner. Max takes the advice and Poliwag uses Water Gun. It hits the Viper in the face, and that helps. Not wanting to be outdone, Tommy and Magmi step up to use Flamethrower, and that does a number on Cacnea. And the whole teamwork thing makes a bridge between the boys. A little flimsy rope bridge, but it's there. Enough that Roxanne turns to Ash and is like, you know what, Pokemon League finalist, hold up. Let's see how the kids do for the rest of the battle. And all the adults, well, no, none of these people are adults. All the Teens and preteens hold back and watch Tommy, Kenny, Max, and Anita put their heads together and strategize, working together as friends for the first time. So, Poliwag and Max, they use Water Gun on Team Rocket. And like with Ash, Team Rocket just slides their door shut to hide from it, but the attack is only a distraction. Magby and Tommy run around the corner, while Max and Poliwag continue to battle Cacnea, Max can use protect and defensive moves all he wants because the whole point is just to keep Team Rocket busy. So they don't notice that Magby is melting down their robot until it's too late. And Anita's Pidgey uses wing attack to reclaim the bag of Pokeballs. And Kenny, he's the ringleader, calling the shots. After that, Roxanne and her Geodude get the last word with rollout attack, and that sends Team Rocket blasting off. But more important is what it's done for the kids. Anita's finally found Pokemon to be fun. Even studying is fun. Kenny's got the approval of his peers and is warming up to Pokemon a little, but more than that realizes he's a great coach. His knowledge of Pokemon is always going to be useful. He can be a part of the, this world that revolves around Pokemon and make friends with Pokemon even, even if he's not ready to get quite as close to Pokemon as Ash is yet. 
Tommy is more secure in sharing compliments and and sharing the spotlight working together. And Max isn't so prickly about other kids knowing things and, you know, him always being the best. And Brock's got a few compliments for Roxanne's Geodude, one of which being, watch out, Ash, she's gonna wipe the floor with you. And Ash is like, yeah, we probably won't get out of this with a sprinkler trick. So the episode ends there, and it's fun. It's a lot of things going on on the down low. Like, we didn't talk about them much, but May's scenes in checking out the contest uh, classes, she's, it's, it's again just kind of adding to her gradual progression into deciding that contests are what she really wants to do in life and transitioning out of that phase where she's got to pretend she's planning to face the gym leader here just because everyone expects her to. And of course, the main plot is is Max, you know, kind of realizing, again, how much he loves Pokemon and wants to be battling, but also how much he still doesn't know and how much, you know, he can't just learn from books. As much as I think he would have loved to go to this Pokemon school, like prior to joining May's journey, it's ultimately the best thing for for him to be on a Pokemon journey and traveling. Although these these kids are getting, you know, hands-on experience with the Pokemon too, but for all the school could teach him, all the stuff that Anita and her friends are learning that Max didn't learn prior to leaving home, there's so much that Max needs to learn that he can't learn from a book. And Max excels in a school environment, and, and I don't think he's really internalized it, but the Pokemon battle kind of showed him that he needs to learn stuff that's out of the books and can't be memorized, and he's not going to do that if he's in a situation where he's like Big Fish Small Pond. He, he needs to be put in situations where he doesn't excel, and he's going to get more of that traveling with Ash and Bay than being in a school. Not like I think there was ever a question of Max stopping the journey and attending school, but it is one of the few points so far where Max has been put in a situation where he didn't succeed. And being in a situation where, like, the state he likes to be in, where he's the guy who knows the most and and is the best at everything and, you know, read all the books, etc., doesn't actually get him anywhere. Like, it's not a heavy-handed moral of the episode, but it is an episode where Max finds a joy in not knowing something and having to have someone teach him. Whereas some of the past episodes where that's tried to happen, he went into it kicking and screaming. I don't know, lure flies with honey and all that. Also in this episode, Ash got to meet the gym leader and see some of her Pokemon and what she's made of. And Brock though he probably doesn't know it yet, found his future profession. He got to observe a bit of a class for people trying to become Pokemon doctors and expressed interest in it, so maybe some of those little seeds are germinating. So fun stuff all around. We're going to leave it there, and next episode is the gym battle. I'm so excited. I love gym battle episodes, and we have not had one for a while. Even the one with Norman was kind of not official. So this next one's going to be the real deal. Until then, if you want to comment on this episode, give some ideas for future YouTube channel endeavors, visit all the links that I listed off at the beginning of the episode, whatever you want to do, you can visit peekappypodcast.blogspot.com. 
or find us on Facebook and Twitter at PCAPI Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or Zoom or wherever you get your podcasts delivered to you. And as always, you can send emails to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy today's ending theme, Center of the Storm. Let me know if you like it, if it doesn't make your ears bleed, and I will talk to you all next time. This has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all! I used to see the rain fall And try to catch the droplets in my hands I used to see the rain fall And marvel how it could change the whole land to green But I don't see the rain quite the same anymore. The storm is growing closer now, and I should run for cover. But this was always my choice, and I will never choose another. Hurry